our house is a very, very, very evil house with two corpses in the yard, both of which are charred. Now everything seems like we're doomed. La 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 Killer Houses on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Yay! Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer I don't know why I did a little bit of like Kermit introducing the Muppet Show right there what at the very that? end, but yeah. I might keep it. I don't know. <laughs> hey. Uh, yay! It's time to light the light. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another Fixer Upper episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. I am your realtor, Insane Mike, and this is episode 265, Killer Houses. That's right. We're going to be talking about movies where it's not just a possessed appliance, or a killer sofa that's actually a lazy boy chair, but it's a whole <laughs> damn house that's trying to kill you. Now, this is what Attack of the Killer podcast is all about. We are a horror movie. Po- what? I'm so excited to hear what we're all about. <laughs> you don't know by now. Well, Should come with a warning. <laughs> yeah, that's, he's about to say it. This Go is ahead. the warning. <laughs> We're a horror movie podcast. We're a group of friends. We get together, we pick a topic, and we talk about horror movies that fit within that topic. Now, we're all just friends here, hanging out, drinking some brews. Not really. Mm. But there's going to be spoilers. It's going to happen. I'm just going to warn you. Spoiler for the spoilers. Now, if you like the show, I would ask... What's that? I said, if you like the show, what's wrong with you? Means you're cool and you know what's up. <laughs> exactly. Because of that, we'd like to have your support and have you become an attacker. So if you go to jointheattackers.com, you could pick the level you would like to donate. This is how you become one of the elite fans of the show that we call an attacker. But your support does not go unrewarded. You can get all kinds of perks by becoming an attacker. You can get your own official membership card, certificate, and sticker. You can also get the episodes before anyone else does. And you even get bonus episodes on top of that. <clears throat> Did you know we also had several video series? What? That's right. We do? We do. There's video updates. There's Insane Mike's One Minute Top Ten lists. And there's even a show called Killer Critiques. You can also see those um, by becoming an attacker. That's how you get to see them. Mm. There's so much extra goodies that you can get, and all you have to do is go to jointheattackers.com, sign up for the tier that best suits you, and then you become an attacker. Again, that's jointheattackers.com. Mm. And now it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. Instead of buying a house, he's living in a bouncy castle. When I asked him why he chose to live in a bouncy castle instead of a normal house, he said it was because of inflation. Andy! Mmm. 
<laughs> Thanks for listening. How's it going, everybody? He got an estimate for a new roof on his house. He was really happy to learn that it was going to be on the house. Tad, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. He found a glory hole in his wall of his new apartment. He was going to tear down the wall, but it's a load-bearing. Jason. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Goodness gracious. Hey, everybody. I'm glad you're here. Please stay. Please. You know Shudder. Oh, do I? Yeah, you do. I think we all do by now. At least I hope so. In case you don't, Shudder is the premium streaming streaming service with the best selection of horror movies and series, all uncut and commercial-free, from Hollywood favorites to cult classics. You can try Shudder for free for a full month. Full month, that's like anywhere between 28 and 37 days. You can get a full month from us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. Just enter our promo code AOTKP and you can start your journey with Shudder with your first month on us. That's right. Don't say we never get you anything. Again, that promo code is AOTKP. It's the summertime. There's a lot going on. It's definitely busy times for us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. When we're not busy with our normal 9 to 5 jobs, we're recording multiple podcasts, drawing comic books, writing scripts, preparing a film preparing film festivals, going to or putting on toy shows and conventions, mm-hmm. or all the other stuff that we do. So we do like to have time to unwind by watching stuff. And I bet you want to know what that stuff is, so let's find out together. Here's Tad with What We Watched. What We Watched. Oh, I hope everybody's watched plenty of stuff. Uh, Andy, what have you watched? Um, I got a pretty big list here. Um... I did end up watching Studio 666. It's a lot of fun. Oh, sweet. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's a little bittersweet to see, uh, you know, Taylor Hawkins, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not really scary per se, but, I mean, it's 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 more comedic than it is, you know, frightening. But it's it's just a lot of fun, and, it you know, if you take it for what it is, it's, it's, it's a good movie. Um finished up the you know a couple of series with the wife we watched the second season of russian doll um i was a more more of a fan of the first season to tell you the truth i mean i i suspect that netflix may not renew it but um it's good for for what it was um been watching only murderers in the building with martin short and it's 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 such a great show. It's it's mm-hmm. so much fun. The, the chemistry between uh, the three of them is 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 so good. Um, watched uh, Beavis and Butthead do the universe, and it's exactly what you suspect is to it get good? from. It's really it's good. Not, yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 pretty fun. Um, you get to see. Uh, you know, all the, the classic bits, you know, um, Beavis, you know, he gets his hands on some uppers and while he, him and, but him and butthead are in prison and, you know, instigates a riot as Corn Julio. And it's, you know, 
it's good stuff, you know. TP for his bunghole. Do not disrespect was, my... Go ahead. No, I was just saying I was pretty surprised it was... And this isn't a spoiler, that it's actually a direct sequel to Do America, like picks up right after. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. So it it is yeah. connect. Like, it's not just a new Beavis and Butthead movie. It is a follow-up to that movie. Yeah, and, and it makes Mike sense. Ju- that... Mike Judge is just so consistent. Yeah. Good. good. And it good, makes... Good. And it'll it'll... It'll have you, and it takes place in 2022, but it will explain as to why they they are the same age <laughs> they were back in 1998, and it, it and it makes and it actually makes sense. So that that's one thing that I was worried about. I was just like, shouldn't these guys be like fucking 60 years old by now? Um, I watched. I also you know finished up uh, the third season of The Boys, and mm. it's. I'll tell you one thing right now, and I think I said it last last time I was on. Uh, the Homelander is the best villain on in any movie that I've seen in the last ten years, in any t- television series I've seen in the last years. This guy is one grade A son of a bitch. He it the the series is awesome. Um, Jensen Ackles' um, role in this as Soldier Boy, so he's oh my god, he's awesome. Um, it is my favorite show on TV, uh, but it's a photo. It's it's a photo finish with um, Stranger Things, which I also uh, finished yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm really liking some of the the character arcs with, uh, particularly with uh, Will. Um, because really? I I am because I mean I. I'm, my my theory is is that he's struggling with his sexuality. Yeah, sure. that's what Brand that's what Brandy was thinking too. And um, I mean, I guess it's there. I just really feel like I just really feel like um I I personally just felt like this season they didn't know what to do with him. Right. He just was sort of there in yeah. the background, which is a bummer yeah. cuz he I I've always really liked Will as a character. So Yeah, yeah. I mean they they kind of I mean it was kind of like the same thing with uh, and it was more so in this season, but it was same way, almost that way in the third season as well. But I think when he had that whole spiel about Mike being the heart of the show, I mean, I would say that Will is probably more the heart because it takes a mm-hmm. lot of heart for a person to actually say that and rally people yeah. like the way that he is. Yeah. Um, and. You know, people. You know, I've heard people online saying that, oh, it, that it's queer baiting. You know, they're 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 putting it in there, but you know, because he is gay. But I mean, just like, well, you need to take into consideration that it's the show is not set in 2016. It's set in 1986. Yeah. yeah. And he's, you know, back then it was okay. You know, it's you know, it still happens now. But I mean, they they were probably high fiving people. You know, when they drugs, you know, somebody behind a truck that was different. You know, so I mean, it's it's it. I think that it's more poignant that it's in the time frame that this is happening that he's struggling with this. Well, and I, in that regard, I I really liked in in that sense. I really liked what they were doing with Robin in in this season. Yeah, well, see, I uh, felt like with the Robin thing, it was a little too like progressive. I mean, it was just like she was accepted by her friends. She never really struggled with it, other than her own personal struggle. Where I, I felt like. Uh, I don't know. It felt a little too modern. Like I think Nikki pointed out too was like uh, back then this she would not have been like as open and 
cool. Like her friends probably wouldn't have been as cool about it. And she probably wouldn't even told her mm. friends. She would have struggled more like Will does where he's yeah sort of keeping it in. Well, do they all know? I mean, I, I always thought it was just Steve that knew. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, but I, I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is that it, it may, it, it makes me really, I think it makes a lot of people re- relate to the, the inner demon struggles that these people that are going through, you relate to the characters a little bit more. Cause I mean, here's, <laughs> here's a kid that can, you know, go to an alternate dimension, literally fight demons, but yet they all struggle. They, they all struggle with their own. You know, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's just a good, it's just a good show. And then, I mean, I've heard so many people just splitting hairs. I mean, even with um, Eddie playing Master of Puppets, you know, it's just like, oh my God, this, the song was only out for like three months. I mean, how could, you know, even as a teenager, how could he master, you know, playing, you know, Master of Puppets? I'm just like, good God, man. You were, no, right? I mean, like, you were finding (laughs) any reason whatsoever to take a disliking to it. I mean, just like, if you are that, if that pisses you off that much, why are you even watching? Mm -hmm. Well, I can argue that the other direction. I'm like, uh, I knew all the metalheads in the 80s. They they would have listened to that song (laughs) at nauseum before it got to the masses. In in a matter of three months, and probably learned how to play it on a guitar. So, anybody arguing that are posers, they don't know. Mm, well, I mean, the, I think the actor that plays Eddie actually learned it, and he probably learned it faster than three months, right? Yeah. If you want to argue that, but um, you know, I, I and it's it's the same thing that happened with uh, the in the first half with Kate Bush. People are like, oh, oh. kids are just now discovering this. It's like, dude, Metallica what? hasn't had a radio hit in our in like our in a lot of kids lifetimes like yeah. they you know they are metal icons but they have not been they haven't you know it's like it's such a stupid argument that's like i can't believe teenagers are just now discovering metallica like why would they know metallica why would we assume that and, mm-hmm. and it's great that they are who cares how they discover it yeah. a fan is a fan i mean a you lot, got, you're a lot of people discover... discovered it on fucking beavis and butthead you know it's like yeah. when they made fun of enter sandman like a lot of like 90s kids yeah. you know discovered it then it's it's just yeah you don't ha- you shouldn't have an ownership of like fandom you know it's just like you're not allowed to you know give me a break man yeah and if they're going to if they're going to nitpick about that kind of stuff are they not are they not freaking out about the fact that in less than a year's time, all of those boys grew like ten feet, and all their balls dropped. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can't even do anything for Will's voice. He's he has a lower voice than I do. He's like, <laughs> fucking, uh, he, yeah, it's he's like he's, Isaac Hayes. He's, he's like <laughs> Barry White, <laughs> eleven. I think that's and, and that always makes me chuckle. Again, liking the Will character, that he was always just like the little tiny, the tiniest one of the bunch, and now he's the biggest one. Right, with the lowest yeah. voice, and yeah. like, yeah, he he just, yeah, he hit his uh, puberty before everyone else, and I know, and Mike. he's got the, the the that fucking dumb and dumber haircut. That <laughs> god <laughs> damn, haircut's bad. Oh my god, it's awful. Uh, the things they do for roles, man. But uh, I know Mike said um, he loves the the big bad in this one, number one. I do. Oh Vecna, yeah, I do like how they. Uh, how they went in this direction with the, with this character and like I know we're not gonna see the end of him yet and mm-hmm. all this and nope. 
Oh, I just, I just loved, I loved the, I love the look of his look in the, uh, under underground, and yeah, he's awesome. As, as usual, my wife was a mess. Um, at the, you know, with Max. When, yeah, well, not not Max, Eddie. Well, spoilers uh, if anyone. I mean, you shouldn't be listening anyways, but we are gonna, you know, we've already. Uh, yeah, we we warned you. We warned you. <laughs> spoilers, but. Uh, and if you haven't already watched it already, man, what the hell are you doing? Man? Come on. Um, any, anyway, um, that is uh, pretty much everything that I watched. I mean, I got a few uh, Vinegar Syndrome orders in um, that I'm probably going to be tearing into. So, But, yeah, sorry. Long story short, that's what I watched. Something to look forward to next episode. Oh, the, uh, and, vinegar, uh, the Vinegar Syndromes. Yeah, and I watched uh, Do- sorry Doctor Strange in the multi- Multiverse of Madness. I Me really too. enjoyed Yay. that as well. No, and um, the only thing that I can take away from that is uh, you always have to play. Uh, you always have to pay uh, Pizza Papa. <laughs> you got to pay that guy. All right, Jason. Now that we know you've watched um, The Boys and um, Doctor Strange, what else have you watched? I um, also uh, watched the new season of Barry. Got caught up on that. Oh yeah, it's freaking. Amazing. Was that the le- it was the newest episode? That was the last of the season, right? Yep. Just hopefully not the last ever, right? Oh, no, I oh. think it's been renewed. Oh thank God, because what an ending of the well, the whole s- the whole season the whole though. Season, such a like holy downer shit! Of the I'm like, where did all the comedy go? <laughs> yeah. Oh. And like Barry is spiraled bad, and I'm just like, <laughs> when is he coming out of this? And yeah, Henry Winkler shines, and oh, he's renewed my love for Henry Winkler. I mean, I've always been a Fonz guy, but uh, um, but yeah, he was awesome in this. And I read an article headline flipping through the internet one day about how he thinks this is the best thing he's ever done, and I would probably uh-huh. have to agree with him. Well, he's the first time he won a. Or right, or Gold Globe, or something. So yeah, I mean, critics agree. Yeah. Although yeah. you know, Jump in the Shark was pretty fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also watched the new movie Hustle. Um, it's a sports movie, so I'll Adam move on. Chandler. No, it's what? he doesn't do that voice at all. Who's your Adam Chandler in the Hustle? <laughs> okay, moving on. I also watched House of Gucci. That was awesome. How weird was uh, Jared Leto? Jared when is Leto. he not weird? When is he not weird? You, you know he's in that movie, right? I don't. He plays the Doctor <laughs> Phil looking motherfucker. Yeah, it, who can't design um, clothes worth a shit? Oh, oh! And he takes and they. Old I think he pisses old. on the floor or something. Yeah, that's no. Jared Leto. No idea. Oh, Paolo. Didn't know that was him. I knew. I knew it was a guy wearing makeup. But I didn't know who it was. So he did great. Yeah. Really Apparently, he, he convinced good. you that he wasn't Jared Leto. Yeah, exactly. yeah, no idea. Well, if, Je- if Jeffrey Tambor wasn't like canceled, they probably could have just cast him. But instead, they <laughs> wasted right. twelve hours a day on Jared Leto, putting makeup on him. And that's what I watched. All right, Mike. What have you watched? So Stranger Things. Um, got more to say? No, I'm just kidding. But I did. <laughs> I did watch uh, Stranger Things as well. Um, I don't feel like I've watched very much. Uh, I did finally get around now that it's 
um, streaming for free. I did finally watch Scream, the new Scream. Um, mm -hmm. And it was awesome. I was really nervous right. at first because yeah, the, the lead actress girl, our new, our new Sydney Prescott person, I didn't think she was a very good actress. And, like, I felt it was really bad in the beginning. Um, especially the big exposition dump where she's talking about how she's Billy's sister and all this, that, and the other thing. And I was just like, oh, this is not going well. But uh, <clears throat> once they get into all the meta-commentary stuff um, and, you know, and all the uh, classic uh, cat classic screen people start popping in, um, it, it won me over. And I thought it was very, very awesome. Very good flick. So. Have you seen it yet, Jason? Oh yeah. Oh, it was okay. great. Okay. That was great. I was, I was making sure. Like, I, I assume you've seen it, Andy, right? Yeah. I saw it in the theater. Yeah. Okay. I know. We, yeah, we both saw it in theaters. I was just trying to remember. I know that for some reason I was thinking like Mike and Jason weren't big on Scream. Oh yeah, well, we're older. Oh, I like no, I no, like I the franchise. I just yeah. my argument always is like. Why doesn't Sydney Prescott just kill herself? Because it seems like about every four or five years, somebody puts on a mask and tries to kill her and everybody around her. Well, it sounds like she's not coming back for six. So that's what I heard. Yeah, yeah. maybe they'll kill her off screen and do something really shitty. Or they could just—they they almost <laughs> had her. You know, it seemed like in this one, like literally when I think it was Dewey called her, it was like it's happening again, and he's like, just stay there. Like that, she could. I mean, she moved away, so she could literally just stay there, and she would not have been at all involved with this movie, like or that yeah. story. Like she, she's the one that forced herself into that story. So, yeah, maybe she'll learn her lesson. Like they'll call her and say it's happening again. She'll say, "All right, bye, thanks." I honestly don't think there'd be anything that they could do with the Sydney Prescott character at this point that wouldn't, like, you know, piss me off. Like we've I mean, gone. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if they kill her off screen or whatever. Like, how unceremoniously awful that would be to follow the single character for this many installments. I don't think, I don't think they're that would that piss so many people. Yeah. Not, oh, yeah. They handled this so well, you know, for the first one as a non Wes Craven production. It felt like it fit in the universe perfectly. So, yeah, it fit. Yeah, exactly. They but, obviously respect it and know the franchise very well. Yes, definitely. But her coming back every single time, like you said before, she must have, like, out of any character possible, she must have, like, the most hardcore survivor's guilt of, of anybody. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> How many, you know, what, her karma is awful. <laughs> so um, my point was, though, is that I think just the best thing to probably do is just to to just kind of, like... Leave her be somewhere in the universe off screen, you know. I, I of... saw an interview with Hayden Pat Panateri, Patneri. I don't remember. I know how to spell her or pronounce her last name, but you know, Patieri? she. Yeah, she basically, you know, they, she had a very small cameo in that YouTube, or they they mentioned her an Easter egg sort of in one of the YouTube videos they're watching in Scream Five, and she basically reached out to the Radio Silence crew and was like. The fans obviously want me back. I want to do it. Like, can we do this? She did it like right after Scream Five came out, and so I'm guessing. And, and she would not reveal how much she's in it or anything, but uh, I'm excited because I love her character. I thought, you know, in Scream Four, she's awesome. So I'm excited what was to her have character's her. Name? Kirby. 
Cur- that's right. I knew it started with a K. I was gonna say like Chloe or something, but I couldn't. yeah, Kirby. She's awesome. I loved her in that. She's like the best part of that movie besides the Culkin. He was cool too. But uh, you know, I-, I think it will be interesting. They'll somehow fit uh, Sydney's absence into the whole meta thing. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, if they can, like, include Jigsaw into, like, you know, 15 of the Saw movies when he's <laughs> died in, like, the second one, yeah. I mean, they can figure their way around this. <laughs> and so, really, uh, last thing, not going to go too far into it, but just, like I said, I don't I really had time to watch much of anything. So the only other thing is I finally finally started um, getting through my, uh, my movies I bought from the Severn table at... Um, Midwest, Midwest. yeah, and so I watch Absurd, which I've seen before, but you know, watching the Blu-ray of it, it's freaking awesome. Great movie, um, an unofficial, unofficial sequel to uh, Anthrop- Anthropog- Anthropagus. Uh, I've always thought of it as kind of like an unofficial sequel, but very, 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 very Italian Halloween ripoff by Joe Diamato. So, if that doesn't entice you but I would recommend it. It's got one of my, literally all my favorite, one of my all-time favorite torture kills of all time. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The the killer um, takes the babysitter and sticks her head in the oven and holds her down in the oven as he turns the oven on, and it's just, it's a little long. I mean, that's typical 80s Italian, you he know? He didn't preheat it or anything? Yeah, no, no, no preheating. But just watching, yeah, just watching her... <laughs> And, I mean, they don't get, like, over gory with it, or, like, head exploding or anything like that, or, like, big pustulating sores or blisters forming or anything. You just, it just keeps cutting back, and her, her, her face just continually starts getting a little bit more and more, like, charred-looking. It's, it's, I just think it's extremely, uh, extremely torturous. What, what, an, what oh. a crazy kill. For real. Love it. Anyway, that's what I watched. Well, hey, Tad, what have you watched? I've watched, surprisingly, a ton of stuff um, (laughs) because I'm busy doing busy work that, you know, sitting at my laptop working on lists and emails and stuff. So obviously watched uh, all the new Joe Bobs. And the final, final movie this season was Nightbreed. And I'm like, come on. We just watched it. The same cut, too. But it was interesting (laughs) hearing hearing him talk about it. And he laid out all the different cuts, you know, and, and great detail on the history of the movie and everything that, so that was worth it. Uh, and it was sort of nice because I could like get other stuff done, go get snack stuff while the movie's on. Cause I just watched it. Yeah. So it's sort of like just watching it for his commentary. But, uh, right before that he did one that is infamous in my childhood, which is uncle Sam, uh, hmm. Bill Lustig. I had no yeah. idea he directed that. I I rented oh. that as a kid all the time just because of the lenticular cover and it had <laughs> boobs in it. And that movie is awful. It's, it has to be his worst movie, and that says something. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a short checklist. Yeah, mm. and even and it was interesting hearing Joe Bob, who had Bill on his show and is obviously admired yeah. Bill Lustig. Uh, he sort of <laughs> dug into him in this movie, and he's he's like obviously a studio had uh, a lot of their hands on this because it is like all the kills are off screen and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And yeah, it's, it's the precise 
um, it had like all the ingredients I hate in horror. <laughs> it was like the, the 1996, like mid nineties direct to video, I think, uh, bad acting just, it has a, a shitty little kid actor. It just has everything I sort of hate. So, but it was interesting, like right on July Fourth weekend, watching it with Joe Bob, of course. Yeah. Sh- shitty little kid actor. Have you seen Uncle Sam? <laughs> no, I'm just like uh, just the phrase alone cracks me up. <laughs> if you watch it, you'll be little kid actor. If you watch it, you will feel the same. It's this little kid who like who has this like um, weird like military lust because his uncle Sam mm. what died as a soldier, oh. and and he's Ba-doom just. Ching. This, yeah, and he's just this. Uh, he, he, he not only is the character shitty, but the actor is just like this. <laughs> in the nineties, like kid actors just yep. had this saying that you just want to fucking punch him. Um, so the movie should be called Uncle Shitty, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he also showed uh, the week before Head of the Family, which I'd never seen. Yeah, uh, seen I the cut. Co- you know, seen yeah. the the VHS cover a million times. Never watched it, and I'll never watch it again. And then he showed. Uh, <laughs> Habit, which was very interesting, uh, in that he had um, Fassender, uh Larry Fassbender. Larry Fessenden. Fessenden. Yes, yeah. he was on the show, and those two talking was freaking awesome. Oh, I bet. Uh, definitely worth it if you have not seen that one. It's not even necessarily for the movie, which is really cool, like a no-budget movie he wrote, directed, stars in, but just those two shooting the shit about independent film and his career and the ups and downs and stuff really cool. It's why it's like exactly why you watch Joe Bob, you know, put those two guys in a room and hear what they have to say for several hours. But, uh, I saw one movie in the theaters. I was like, I'm going to take a break from work and turn off the phone for two hours and go enjoy the black phone. Has anyone else seen it? No, not yet. I assumed since you didn't uh, list it, but, uh, from what I saw of it was really good. Um, I really want to get, Want to give it a rewatch once oh, it comes to stream? Oh, uh, fighting some teenage girls. Uh, yeah, we, we like 15 minutes in, these two girls came in and they were like using the flashlight on their phone to see where they're sitting. They sit like two seats away from us, uh, just loud talking. T- their phone's going off, they're watching videos. So Nikki shushes them and they start like mocking her back and. Uh, it was it was bad. Then they we thought they were leaving, but they were just going out like forty five minutes in to get their boyfriends to come back and sit directly next to us. And so we moved, and uh, yeah, needless to say, it was uh. a bad, really bad theater experience. Uh, I really enjoyed what I saw and and remember the movie, but it was definitely tainted because I was very distracted and uh, yeah, you know, hoping to see it again. But uh, the look of the movie, the performances, everything was really cool. Uh, sort of surprising. I mean, it's it's a Blumhouse movie, but it's not as polished as some of them, like you would think. Um, it's it's very gritty and true crime, which I thought was cool. Uh, yeah. I won't spoil anything about it. It's based on Joe Hill's short story, uh, and uh, yeah, I uh, Black Phone really cool. Um, I also watched Bees of Butthead do the Universe really funny, um, and then I watched a ton of television like series, I guess. Uh, Finished the boys. Finished Umbrella Academy. Oh wow! Um, How is the new season? It's fantastic. Oh it, good. The boys and Umbrella Academy have both literally ruined Marvel for me. <laughs> like Thor came out as of recording this a few days ago, and I have no desire to go to the theater to see it because I'm just like, 
there's Marvel's fluffy. I don't know. It, I'm not gonna badmouth Marvel, but just, in comparison to the boys, I'm like, this is what would really happen if superheroes existed in our world. We would, you just, know, privatize them. Mike and I were touch and go there with the Umbrella Academy. Did you? I was just gonna ask I you, Jason. Did you yeah. finish it? Yeah. I still hadn't finished the it. Last. The last. The second season, we, yeah, we were watching it together, and we just got to the point where it's just like, oh, my God, you guys, <laughs> you guys' worst enemies are yourselves, and, like, we're just get, we just got so tired of the whiny bitchiness of these of these characters that we we just shut it off. And I, you finished it, but I, I still haven't gone back. Now, the boys, I do love the boys, but I think there's a place for all of it, really. You know, mm-hmm. there's I'm sure there's a place, the, but I The fun, I think fluffy I've... stuff like Marvel, and then the dark and grittier stuff like the boys but i just feel like um maybe i have marvel fatigue also with yeah, the just like after watching the boys and i'm just thinking like my like right now in the the way things are in the world the way you know it just feels like that is exactly how we would treat superheroes we would privatize them and make a government branch and they'd be all shit yeah. people that abuse their power and they'd fuck each other over and it's try to kill each other satire basically is right and mm-hmm. and it's like this is how it would be and i just if i go back and try to watch anything marvel sometimes it just seems like all i can think about is like homelander you know <laughs> fucking jerking off on the top of a building you know it's like this is exactly what they would do, but it's, you think there'd be know. guys fucking octopuses, though? You know? Yeah, I mean they would. Yeah, <laughs> if they could talk to them. There's guys have weird fetishes, you know. But uh, I, I uh, also Typical started. Porn. Yeah, I also started Mine Hunter. I'm really late to the mm. game, but I've been getting through that. I'm about halfway through the second season, and so good. God damn, man! Like I so knew it was good. gonna be good because I love David Fincher, one of my favorites of all time, yeah. um, and just. The stillness of it, the quietness, uh, the the two leads in this are f- so mm-hmm. fucking good. Um, I know so. I'm like setting myself up for heartbreak because they haven't re- they haven't said they're bringing back for third season. Probably not happening. But uh, so it's how sort of how it is with Netflix. You know, going in, you're probably not going to get a conclusion to any fucking thing because they suck. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's true. But it's like you know, uh, it it that is fantastic series. Uh, it, it to me of trying to tell people like. It's a love-hate thing. Like, I feel like some people would be bored to death watching it, where I'm, like, absolutely fascinated by the stillness and quietness of it. Um, It just has a brooding sense to it, the whole thing. Uh, I mean, they work in, like, a fluorescent light lit basement the entire series. The whole thing has, like, a yellow tinge to it. It's just something about it, but it's really fantastically written, uh, directed, shot. Everything about it is... Yeah, we all love serial killers, so it's really interesting. Well, it's yeah, it's interesting because it's like a look at where that sort of started, like people's fascination with true crime and serial killers. Before, yeah, everyone had a million true crime series on TV. They would just literally talk. Oh, my neighbor's an FBI agent. I want to know everything about him talking to Charlie Manson. And that's Mm. sort of you know back then we just didn't have access to that, so you literally had to talk to someone who talked to someone and. Um, other wow. than that, I did my my Fourth of July marathon of Jaws, uh, The Purge, Anarchy, and Blowout. All three <laughs> to me are are must watch every Fourth of July. So, I think awesome. that's all I watched. Awesome, thanks, Tad. Hey, listeners, are you in position to take a poll? 
Get your tweets ready. Here's Jason with Pole Position. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of Pole Position. All right, on this week's Pole Position, the question, what are the scariest houses in horror movies? I know, right? We're going to do our typical two-round snake draft. Let's uh, go to the random sequence generator. Here we go. Oh, my gosh. Mike's one, I'm two, Ted's three, Andy's four. Survey says, oh, yes. Oh, Jason's is... first. Damn it. I know what your number one Andy is. Andy is second. Ted is third. What? Mike is fourth. That's bull roar. All right, so I got the first pick. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Uh-huh. Texas Chainsaw 74. I, I had to. do it. It wasn't even on my list. Oh. Man, you walk into that house, you're like, uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> something <laughs> stinks. There's a big steel door. The lamps are made of skin, huh? Is that a chicken <laughs> sound? What is that? That's one of those rare houses in the movie that's just as scary probably to be... It- on set in real life than it was to watch it in the movie. Oh, man. Everything rotten around you. Love it. All right, that was easy. All right, Andy, you're up next. Let's pick two. Oh, I'm kind of I'm torn on to which one I should say first because I will it make it got back? a feeling somebody else will jump on it. But I will go. I got to go with the, the OG. I'm going to go with. 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. I'm going with the Amityville Horror House. Going for the votes this time. Got it. Well, Andy's never had votes before, so it's probably a good (laughs) idea to try it. (laughs) All right, Ted. Pick three. Oh, man, I have a couple different ones, but this one to me is an obvious choice, uh, and I'm thinking more of the physical house and not just the horror of the people who are there and what they're doing inside. Um, so I'm going with the Freeling house from Poltergeist. Oh nice. yeah. Definitely. Oh, nice. Because nice. yeah, I mean going from where they started to where they end up in that movie. And, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you do not want to fucking live there. No way. Nope. <laughs> since, since that movie, there's never been a house built on Indian burial ground since. Nope. nope. I think what's more, <laughs> whether that was a thing or not, it definitely, What's more terrifying about that house for me than having poltergeists in it is the fact that it's in a neighborhood where every fucking house looks exactly the same. That yeah, is very more terrifying. Also scary, yeah. <laughs> All right, Insane Mike, you're on the turn. You get pick four and five. All right, so my first pick, we're going to go with Rustin Parr's house in the Blair Witch Project. Ooh. You know, mm. you got those handprints on the walls and whatever the fuck's going on in the basement. I mean, come on. How yeah. how creepy is that? It's pretty creepy. That's right. So then I get the next pick too. Okay, oh. let's see. Looking at my master list here, I think I'm just going to I'm just going to go so for pre- it. I didn't. I wanted uh-huh. to have kind of a mixture, but all of these is all you know. Blair Witch the sequel. No, I'm just I <laughs> the just foundation mean, like, of the house. The <laughs> Blair Witch two. You know, I just I With meant the tree in the middle. <laughs> By having a variation of like in different settings, but I guess I'm just gonna stick with houses in the woods. I'm gonna go with the cabin from oh. Evil Dead. Oh, Ooh, damn it! <clears throat> Evil Dead. That's good. That's good. 
All right, Ted, you're back up. Pick six. I'm going to one-up you on the Evil Dead cabin and say cabin in the woods. Oh, see, that's Way what worse. I th- thought he was going to say. Very good. Yep, that's a good one. Definitely on the list. Yep, that was on my list. Too. All right, Andy, pick seven. Okay. Um, whatever house that has R. Kelly in the closet. No. Um. <laughs> True, Andy wins, finally. <laughs> um... I will, never, I never will land say ranch. My... <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, no. It's not true. Oh, no. It's not true. Um I will I will say my second pick and then I will give my honorable mention. I'm gonna go with the house on the hill behind Bates Motel for my pick. Yep, that was that was one of them I was debating on. Honorable mention picks. people under the stairs. Ooh. Cool. Maybe I'll take that one. one. With my last pick. Oh, yeah, you still have uh-huh. to go. <laughs> but I'm not going to take that one. I'm... Hmm. Gosh. See, there's haunted ones. I don't know. That's not me. I'm going on brand. I'm going 1428 Elm Street. Yes. Oh, nice. nice. We could probably do three. I feel yeah, like pretty but, uh, easy. Oh yeah, yeah, I've got I've got a pretty big list. Then give me my give me people under the stairs. Then <laughs> well, no, wait, wait, wait. Let me let me. Let's just let do honorable through. mentions. Yeah, it's <laughs> all right. It's we're already out of order, so yeah. My other ones I had were Insidious and Conjuring. Oh, okay, okay. The two haunting of ones. Hill House. <clears throat> oh my. Yeah, I had Hill House on mine. I had the uh, I had fi- Firefly House. The yeah. uh, oh, it was on mine. You know, House of a Thousand Corpses, and then uh, House of the Devil, and yeah, of course the Myers House. I had Myers yeah. Place, the old Myers Place, and uh, the per- the Perrin Home from Conjuring. Yeah. Uh, Rosemary's Babies. That that house there, and those neighbors. Yikes. Yeah. I thought of one. On, uh, this house morning. on Haunted Hill. Oh yeah. That I didn't know if it'd be on your list, Mike, since mm. you're the one who introduced this to this movie, but Ghosts of War. Remember that movie? <gasps> yeah, that, that would have been a great one. I didn't even, that. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, that house is rather creepy. Yeah. Uh, well, let me look at my list. See if I have anything left. Um, I mean, you may call shenanigans because it's not really a house per se, but they were living in it. Uh, the Overlook Hotel and The Shining. Yep. Yeah. Um, I got Buffalo Bill's house and Silence of the Lambs. Uh, pretty that creepy. Was said, that was said. I guess the last one on my list that hasn't been said is the uh, the house from Monster House. I wa- <laughs> wondered if you were going to cheat with that one. Why would that be cheating? Anyway, so that's pole position. Really, uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it counts. It does, but I mean, none of these houses are real. I mean, besides Amityville. True. Would uh would set would the session nine asylum work? I mean, people See, do to, live there. Yeah, I don't consider it a house though. So. Yeah, yeah, it's not a home. Because then we can so go to like Frank, Frankenstein's place, uh, castle. Yeah, 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 we could. I mean, we could go to you know. Anyways. But where the people can go is home, to Twitter. But home is where yeah. the heart is. Guys. Go to Twitter at AOTKP. Get your votes in for who do you think picked the scariest. Houses in horror movies, and that's pole position. Thanks, Jason. You're welcome, Mike. All right, let's talk about some movies, some killer house movies. Where should we start? Uh, Tad, what movie should we start with? 
Let's start with 1977's House. House. I see in your eyes where tomorrow is hiding in my heart. There's a bell ringing loud at the touch of your lips. Down the rainbow, I'm sliding with arrows. Keep falling as thick as a cloud. I mean, what else can I say? Uh, <laughs> that trailer pretty much that sums up what the movie. No, I, I'm, I'm, what I'm going Almost to do. Like torso. I'm just going to read the great description from Criterion because to me this is uh, tops. Okay, how to describe Nobuhiko Obayashi's indescribable 1977 movie House as a psychedelic ghost tale? A stream of consciousness bedtime story or an episode of Scooby-Doo as directed by Mario Bava. Any of the above will do for this hallucinatory head trip about a schoolgirl who travels with six classmates to her alien aunt's creaky country home and comes face to face with evil spirits, a demonic house cat, a bloodthirsty piano, and other ghoulish visions all realized by Obayashi via Matt's animation and collage effects equally absurd and nightmarish house might have been beamed to earth from some other planet. <laughs> uh, this one is so much fun. I love this movie. I was late to it. Um, I didn't see it probably until like three or four years ago. I played it at the Capitol as one of my uh, birthday movies, <laughs> double feature, and it's going to be hard to ever top this one. It is so much fun. It goes from absurdist uh, slapstick comedy straight into nightmare fuel, uh, fucking uh, fever dream horror, back to weird Japanese sitcom to God knows what. I think an episode of Scooby-Doo is directed by Mario Bava is about as good as it gets (laughs) uh, describing this thing. But there's... I I, I was... uh, watching it late like two in the morning and i was uh you know i put like part of the ending on my instagram story and i've never see had such a response to anything i've posted uh everybody's like what the fuck are you watching Um, (laughs) exactly it is so much fun though i love this movie i've watched it several times uh it's it's just so strangely weird but in a good way it just makes me so happy and comforting to know that they had drugs over there, you know? <laughs> yeah. It was the 70s. I think drugs was everywhere. Um, yeah, speaking of the 70s, what's it? Like, the girl that, you know, goes to the aunt's house, is it, what, her name's Fantasy? 
Yeah, I believe. Yeah, the character names are just awesome. Yeah, are are very spot. You know, on the nose would be an understatement. Sweet yeah. and um, melody and angel. Um, but yeah, notice speaking of the seventies, I think like the director had seen Saturday Night Fever because her dad is dressed exactly like the way John Travolta <laughs> is in Saturday Night Fever, with the white suit and the big ass, you know, black collar. Um, yeah, I mean, this is like you. There's no really way to, you know, describe this, you know, to anyone. You just kind of, you have to not only see, see this, you just have to experience it because you're just like, what am I even watching? <laughs> you know, there's, like I said, there's there's multiple tones to this, the, like the way Tad said, whether it's a comedy or just like some sort of strange bloody Japanese acid trip, you know, I, <laughs> it's, um, I mean, I love the severed fingers playing the piano. I mean, you have to, you know, with the piano eating the girl, I mean, all that, all that stuff was great, you know, but, uh, you have to take into consideration the effects are from 1977. So you kind of got to be a little forgiving for, for that. And, you know, personally, I think your, it I, adds to the, the appeal. Cause it's so well done with like nothing. Like it's so yeah, cool how they yeah. do these mats, like have yeah. the, the legs flying across the screen. You can see a clean line where they, you know, they literally cut it off with a mat and it just, so it adds to it so much. Agreed. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the mystique and the time of the, of, of the film. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, I'm I'm sure a lot of the the explanations are tied to Japanese, you know, folklore in in some way that you know I don't know a lot of the a lot of the tales over there, but you know, with you know the spirit of the cat and and this and that. But I had I'm I was like Tad. I had slept on this film for a long time. I had heard about it and wanted to see it. I mean, I had it like in my cart in Amazon, you know, the safe for later criterion, you know, for, for quite a while, I just had never pulled the trigger on it. And I was just like, well, you know, and then I heard that we were going to watch it while well, I was just like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to buy it now, you know, cause I'm going to end up watching it anyway. But, um, I'm glad, I'm glad we did. Um, definitely one of the, uh, you know, one of the oddest movies, um, I've ever seen. Um, I'll I'll put it above Mystics in Bali, but I mean it's uh, uh, definitely definitely a strange one, but good. This was a first time watch for me. Yay! And so for years and years and years and years, there was a lot built up about this movie to me in my head, and so I, I knew it was going to be fucked up, right? That's what everyone said. But like, I was expecting something way different and more of a horror and gross not so innocently like right. funny so the first yeah. half of the movie in a way i was disappointed and not not really but you know i was just like oh this kind of fucked up no one ever told me that <laughs> i was you know because like in their first year of friendships with mike he's trying to make me throw up with every clip he tries to show me of <laughs> gross and weird and fucked up shit and so like in my head i somehow I don't know. Just thought it was going to be more horror. And now thought it, it gets was going to be Makai fucked up. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. And I mean, it gets there with some of that, but like, but I was just like, oh, oh. So I'm like, I was even mad. I was like, well, 
Well, why did I wait so long on this movie? <laughs> nice. This is innocent, fun, fucked up, great. And I loved it. It was so yay, great. And, and definitely by the end, it was just, it was everything, man. This, this movie is so great. I loved it. Yeah, I do too. Uh, this is the very first movie I've, uh, criter- this is the very first Criterion Hell disc yeah. I've ever owned was the, the wow. Blu-ray of this. Yeah. Um, and one of the first Blu-rays I've, I owned was this one. So I do love this movie too. Uh, very, very bizarre, very strange. <laughs> it could be very off-putting yeah. if you're not ready for it because um, it does every crazy uh, camera trick and editing trick in the book, which doesn't necessarily... I loved it, though. Ad, you know, uh, advance the storyline. A lot of no. it's there for visual weirdness. But that's I mean, but that's okay. Creative. I'm just, just saying. Yeah. Be ready for that. Yep. Like, you, even just a, a you know, three-person conversation scene is still has, like, weird, like freeze frame pauses or layered yeah. layered visuals uh you know just it just does not stop on the weirdness um both not not just in story though is what i'm saying just uh, visually the way it was shot the way it was directed especially the way it was edited um love 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 the you know the uh like the the opening um, credit sequences and um, cartoony ele- cartoon elements of it. That, to me, definitely feels... doesn't feel very Japanese to me. It definitely feels more like um, U- uh, U.S. 70s adult animation style, uh, which I love. So, you know, kind of like, like that psychedelic animation you would see in, like, Yellow Submarine or Ralph Balshi, Ralph Balshi films from that era... Um, but, uh, yeah, great film. And it, it, it's all, f- for me, it's all worth the price of admission for the piano scene. That's, that, oh, is, yeah. that is like Definitely. the iconic moment of this movie. Um, I remember watching it with my group at my, my birthday showing and, uh, the scene where like they have the cat go forward and backwards and forward and backwards across the <laughs> piano. Yeah. And that is just like, yeah. I think that got the biggest reaction just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, and Jason brought up how uh, I used to subject him in the early days of our friendships. Every new friend you're testing out, you put him through the ringer. I know. I don't do that nearly as much as I used to. Hardly at all. It seems like well, mostly because I don't have any friends. But um, everybody's seen horror, it all now too. Yeah, this is horror true. boot camp. It's true. Yeah. It's hard to shock anybody anymore. But uh, but I think I've found a new appreciation for watching something weird and having someone show up in the middle of it. Like Brand- <laughs> I was watching it, and Brandy came home from work, and it was like the next fifteen minutes of what the fuck are you watching? What the fuck? I don't know. Is- just hang on, man. Yeah, I'm surprised <laughs> she hasn't seen this one. It seems like uh, something Brandy would love. It's because of all the, all the cat stuff. Maybe, but also just the mm. overall silliness of it. Like it's it's like sort of Jason was saying. It's I wouldn't even call it fucked up. It's just um, more 
like just weird it's and it's I, weird I keep calling it silly. fun because it, yeah it's so it's just so silly like i mean the beginning there literally is like slapstick bits where that guy is like trying to clean and he gets his foot stuck in a bucket and it's like stop weird stop motion. It's like what? Why is this in this movie? But I love it. I don't know why. A lot of the stuff that the monsters used to you know do when they're driving fast and shit like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just yeah, a sped sweet, up shot. And, sweet yeah. and innocent movie for the first half. You're just. I'll take that dude's dune buggy though. I thought that thing was a fresh ride. <laughs> and I also like that. Uh, you know, plenty you could watch it and you can see plenty of things. This is '77. Plenty of things were imitated since, but like I still thought all them, all that. Editing and weirdness was still fresh too. Oh yeah, like it still held up great. I thought very well. I mean, you don't necessarily see, you know, feature-length films that have that style all the way through. I mean, you know, without seeing the movie and hearing us describe it, you can think of maybe filmmakers like, um, um, yeah, nobody. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dang it! Why can't uh, Edgar Wright? I couldn't think of his name for a minute. Like Edgar Wright might be one that springs to mind. You know, stuff like Scott Pilgrim uh, would maybe be the closest mainstream comparison that you could come up with to this. But it still doesn't even touch what they what what they were doing in this movie. But definitely recommend it. Yes, definitely. Definitely so watch time. it. Watch it with a group if you can, because it's it's a blast. It's definitely a fun one to watch with a group. Oh and yeah. The the mm-hmm. Criterion Blu-ray I highly recommend because it's gorgeous. It, yes, it's just a gorgeous movie too. Uh, the way it's shot and the colors and there's there's a really cool little bonus feature on there with Ty West uh, mm-hmm. talking about his appreciation oh. for it um, and what a lot of people overlook about like these criterion foreign language films is that they do a more accurate and better job on like the subtitles. So this is like the first version, not only the first version released in the U S I mean, you could find, you know, bootlegs and stuff, but it's invaluable to have one that even in a movie that almost makes no sense to have correct subtitles that, you know, (laughs) as, as the filmmaker is intended for the dialogue. So I think little things like that, you know, often get overlooked. But and uh, until you can buy the Blu-ray, it is streaming on HBO Max for those who can get that. Yeah, part of the Criterion Collection on there, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that is our first house movie, which was House. Jason, what's our next house movie? <laughs> our next house movie is from 1985. It's called House. This is a house where no one should live. Roger Cobb has come here alone. But no one is ever alone in the house. Leave while you can. No! Sandy. your own risk. House, that's right. Uh, A Vietnam vet turned horror novelist returns to his boyhood home to find that 
It has been invaded by ghosts and ghouls. Story by Fred Decker, directed by Steve Miner, starring William Cat, George Went, Richard Mall. Yeah, man. 80s. Hello. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I've seen this several times. Um, I don't know if it is, gets better every time I watch it, but it's still great. What do you guys think? Love this movie. I've always loved this movie. Um, you Just because you thing. loved Night Court and Cheers. That's why you... Well, yeah, it's, it's doesn't interesting. Greatest American Hero. It's Those were three of your favorite that, like, shows. Three of the three of the main cast are all um, actors from from uh-huh. TV shows from that era. Uh, you know, and oh man, I mean, I love the effects. I love all the creatures in it. The creature effects. The one for the closet is freaking amazing because it's yeah. just like huge and it's moving around and that's pr- it's all practical. Uh, yeah. You get. Uh, you get a little bit of stop motion, some Sam Raimi stop motion action going on in there with one of the creatures that like pterodactyl uh, uh, skeleton creature that flies into his face at one point when he's climbing through the uh, medicine cabinet. Um, I'm gonna say all the weird stuff that happens in this movie with no context. Uh, uh, the little, <clears throat> the little um, uh, blue. Uh, woman monster creature that his wife turns into is cool, but my favorite was Zombie Richard Mole. Oh yeah, that makeup is freaking awesome. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw that, and this was before um, Friday Seven came out, and I'm like, that could be a killer Jason mm-hmm. Voorhees, undead Jason Voorhees makeup because it's just freaking awesome. You got the exposed ribs and. Um, this the face and the uh, you eye know, the socket. Ar- and yeah, the eye socket and the articulation of the face. I mean, that's got to be some thick, some thick appliances to do what he did. But uh, and I'm assuming it's still Richard Mole under the makeup. I can't confirm that. Pretty big um, dude. A lot of like uh, people before there was an official Part Seven Jason action figure, or vice versa. Like people have used the Part Seven Jason action figure to make a custom action figure of him costumes and stuff because the bodies are so similar it's like you could yeah basically change some of the clothing throw a hockey mask on it it's very close yeah yeah did did, uh john carl beekler do the makeup for this i i honestly don't know i don't i don't remember imdb here for some reason i was thinking it was beekler because i thought he worked on two maybe but i'm i'm probably way wrong i don't know fred decker was one of the writers yeah, and that's cool, and that yeah. feels very '80s Fred Decker, like Fred yeah. Decker of like, let's take everything I love uh, from from horror and science fiction and and whatnot, Put and it throw it against the wall and make a script out of it, because it definitely definitely has that that um, potluck feel of like Night of the Creeps and um, Monster Squad. But it definitely has that a Friday. Uh, theme to it because it was produced by Sean Cunningham and, and the music by Harry Manfredini which yep. Jesus I swear it's legitimate lifted from Friday. Oh, yeah if you if you walk into a room and somebody's watching <laughs> this and you don't look at the screen I'm like what Friday movie are you watching? Uh-huh. It and is... then you look up and you're like oh Jason oh. is not wearing his mask. <laughs> and he's and wearing he's army a... fatigues? What's going on? <laughs> he's a Vietnam veteran? 
And he's at the Cheers bar? Okay. Shouldn't, shouldn't he? <laughs> talk? And George went and just looks so badass talking on that hot pink phone. You know? Doesn't he? Um, speak, speaking of um, Cunningham, I wanted to touch out that um, you got kind of a couple of mainstays here. Uh, the The detective, you know, when he's kind of um, interviewing Nikki Cat, I mean, yeah, is that, who is that? Uh, Nick William Cat, yeah, um, and his wife after their son is missing. That detective is the same actor who, at the end of Friday the Thirteenth, is we didn't find any boy, you know huh. that guy. His son and, is still out there. And that's right. <laughs> and you also had Stephen Williams as the the black police officer, who cop ended number up being, four. Yes, he ended up being <laughs> Creighton Duke. In oh part, yeah! Uh, in Put Jason the hot goes dog to hell through, through a donut. Yeah, that makes me think of a <laughs> little girl in a pink dress putting a hot dog through a donut. Um, <laughs> I just I I like to believe in like in the same like you know Cunningham universe that this that cop was actually Creighton Duke and then he started believing in the paranormal and became a bounty hunter. So um, could be. Uh, I guess I mean there's there's not much that you know you guys haven't already said that I would like to add, um, but yeah, I mean this is it's it's a fun movie. Um, he's got a really good looking neighbor. There's some master use of the universe toys, which I'm sure that Jason yeah. liked. <laughs> um, yeah, um, that that Marlin got shot. Um, yeah, it did. <laughs> got really fucked up. Um, and this is before like the singing bass, you know, that Billy, you know, a bunch, yeah, the rednecks would put on their wall, you know, and, and then press it. And, you know, speaking of real quick, just, I, I don't want to interrupt, but it, it, before I forget, have you guys seen the memes with, uh, Eddie from, uh, stranger things where he's holding, you know, when he, they were going through his music collection, frantically trying to find music and he grabs like, I don't know, iron maiden or something. He's like, this is music. People have been photoshopping stuff into his hands where he's saying, this is music, and someone put the Billy Bass thing that's on the wall, you know, the, the, oh, the, the, the singing fish in his hands. He's like, this is music. Jesus. Anyways. Yeah, if, if there was anything that I would want to, like, hit with both barrels with a 12-gauge, it would definitely be the Billy Bass as opposed fish. to, you know, the the Marlin. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good, you know, it's a fun movie. You know, it's just like he's... You know, when he when he said that body was like an apricot tree that he had to bury. I was like, <laughs> oh god. Um, but yeah, it it is what it is. It's an eighties movie, man. I I uh, worked not to go on a big Billy Bass rant, but I worked at a <laughs> retail store that carried them in the uh, late two thousand. Is what was it like 2006 and seven probably and we had a whole end cap of those goddamn things and anytime a customer walked by they would all go off and there was like you know a hundred on the shelf and so eight hours a day i just hear it, that thing be like i'm all right don't gotta worry about me it's it just i'm big billy bath bass Oh, yeah, and it was a nightmare. You'd hear it, and they would all slightly be off time, so they would be like echoing, and oh, what a nightmare. Uh, they were harmonizing. They, they, they were like, it was one of those things that was huge for like a minute. And then once everyone had bought one for their uncle or dad for Father's Day, uh, they did not sell anymore. And so shelves were just like rotting. They were just like rotting on shelves for 
ever. And their fathers never spoke to them again. <laughs> no. And they all ended up in resale shops and whatever. But anyways, this is a first time watch for me. Um, oh, nice. Mm. This is another one of those classics that I'd seen the cover for a million, trillion, billion times at the VHS, at the, at the rental spots. Mm-hmm. Every rental spot it has a classic cover of that zombified hand floating and hitting the doorbell. Ashes um, severed hand. Great poster. Ringing yeah, the door. really cool poster. And I, if if I remember correctly, it was like one at least one of the big box VHSs. It was sort of embossed, so like the hand sort of stuck out from the cover a little bit. Not not quite like 3D, but just embossed a little bit. And uh, never rented it, but um, di- I was going into it knowing what the the big baddie looked like at the end because I've seen that a million times and across you know you can't be part of the horror community and not know what that character looks like but uh i had not seen the the closet monster um i did not know george went was in this so that was a joy i love him Um, oh yeah you know and it's cool that he's sort of back doing like indie horror movies you know like uh vfw and bliss it's cool to see him pop up and stuff now because he's he's just like a guy who doesn't belong in here but he brings an innocence and 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 his role in this is really funny just because you know he's the the neighbor that doesn't believe and then when he does it's like oh shit but uh well he's i mean he's obviously there for comic relief but what's great about him i really feel like sure you know we all know norm from cheers but this movie is a great example of his re- his really good comic timing because he's not saying jokes he's not doing pratfalls or anything like that but he's the comic relief based on his timing when he's talking about uh one of my one of my favorite laugh out loud moments of the movie for me is when he's talking about the crazy woman that used to live in that house and william cat's <laughs> like that meets, was my yeah that's yeah. my aunt and he's like but lovely woman solve woman, the earth yeah, yeah. and his <laughs> timing on that is perfect to get a laugh you know on paper that wouldn't have read funny but based on his timing on that um, and his just deadpan look when he realized he just got caught bad mouthing the guy's aunt, you know, it's 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 perfect. Very very underrated um, uh, comedic talent in my opinion. Even though we all know Norm. 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 Yeah, it, it's it was a lot of fun. It was like a good mixture of horror. It, I mean, it's it definitely feels like maybe sort of in the Evil Dead universe where is combining comedy with horror, just not as extreme yeah. as that and not as well done, but it's still really fun. Uh, and I can see why it has a cult following and, you know, is, is one of the um, beloved horror movies from, from the eighties and definitely something I'd rewatch again and add to the collection. So. Yeah. A couple notes I had uh, that I wrote down um, that blonde neighbor is a horrible mother. I mean, not only does she... Oh, yeah. Oh, just leaving the kid, yeah. With a total stranger who, when she first meets, is digging large holes in his backyard. And before... The part that always bothered me, even ever the first time I ever watched it, is right before she leaves with her kid in the care of the greatest American hero, she finds them both coming out of the bathroom together, and the boy is crying. To me, that would be a pretty big red flag. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't kick her out of my swimming pool if I caught her back there like he did, you know. I probably would have to, hey, hey, make yourself at home. And then uh, last thing I want to talk about uh, with this movie, going back to the effects side of things. Um, again, I feel like 
all the all the practical effects really stand up in this. And I don't know how you guys watched it. Um, I don't know if any of you guys like have a Blu-ray of it. Mm, no. Or like some 4K I scan watched it on Shutter. Use promo code AOTKP. <laughs> Um, what I don't and I don't know what Shutter's transfer is like or anything, but looked good. One of my one of my favorite another one of my favorite effects from this movie is when the um, the tools from the uh, tool shed chase him around, and they're all like, because again, it's oh, yeah. it's all practical, and they're and I saw some behind the scenes. I don't remember where I saw this. I saw behind the scenes making of this movie somewhere. And they were talking about how they did that effect, and it's just literally they, and and I really this was the first time I really learned the use of this technique. Um, is uh, they just literally hung all of those um, uh, tools on monofilament on fishing line, and wow. the the part that it impresses me is you can't. I don't know if you could see them in new in new beautiful scans or whatever. You could see those lines or not, but I've never been able to see those fishing lines. And uh, one of the things that they showed showed you in the behind the scenes is once they got them all hanging, then they went back with black spray paint and spray painted the spray painted the monofilament with just with a hint of black, so it, so the uh, the white um, fishing line wouldn't reflect the light. It's where you would see it. Mm. And you know, so I th- I always thought that was just a great way that they shot that to really fool you in that uh, those are actually floating That's, tools there. They did the similar thing uh, to track uh, the trajectory of the the spheres in Phantasm. Oh yeah, yeah. I do I did want to add with another thing with you know with the tools. I thought like. The reaction of uh, William Cat's character when he almost gets shot with the harpoon gun was pretty mild. <laughs> the guy yeah. just shoots it. He's like inches away from it. He just kind of looks at him for a little bit. Like you know, That's you another know. comedic thing, yeah. I'm like, my God, if, if my wife did that, I would be fucking livid. I'd be like, are you out of your fucking mind? And he's just so, he's like very chill about it with almost getting impaled with a harpoon gun. But... Oh well. well, he was in Nam. He saw some shit. Harpoon guns ain't nothing. Well, it's also cool. Like everything around that house is kind of set up for to come into play later. Like the harpoon gun, the fish on the wall, you know, the the floating tools, all that stuff is you you see you see and it's set up. That to me, that's always good storytelling. You know, anything you you show in the third act needs to be set up in in, in the first act. Yeah. So. Got to have a payoff. Yep. All right, uh, Andy. What's our next movie? Our next movie comes to us from 2018, and it is called House. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Await further. It's called Await further instructions. Can we not do this? I want to meet them. Come on, Nick. It's so good to see you. Full house this year. Well, maybe this year we can have a proper family Christmas like we used to. This country used to be great till all them Johnny Ahmeds and Bobby Bongo Bongo started coming in. Mr. Milgram, that's not fair. You come in here with your two old and your Don't shout at my girlfriend. Here's what we do. We'll get up really early before they do, and we'll just go home. Come on, 
us in. What do you want to know? They're all the same. Who would lock us in? Hello! Could it be a reality show? Some sort of awful game? She's a white mother! Ding dong merrily on high. In heaven the bells are ringing. Ding dong verily the sky is written with angels singing. No! I'm your son! Yes! I'm Okay, it is Christmas Day, and the Milligram family wake to find a mysterious black substance surrounding their house. Something monumentally is clearly happening right outside their door, but what exactly? An industrial accident? A terrorist attack? Nuclear war? Descending into terrified arguments, they turn on the television, desperate for inspiration. On the on screen, a message glows ominously, stay, stay indoors and await further instructions. As the television exerts an even more sinister grip, the paranoia escalates into bloody carnage. Okay, um, this is a first watch for me, and I really, really, really like this movie. Yeah, that's um, Sweet. Uh, it definitely, it's very, very self-contained because it all takes place in, in the house, um also uh the description failed to mention that there's pipes going into the house which they suspect to be uh oxygen but that does not that's clearly not the case obviously you can hear from uh the the trailer that this family is severely severely dysfunctional um but you know the mother is kind of like the glue trying to get everybody to get along because she obviously loves everybody but you have a father and son who have who do not get along you have a grandfather who is obviously obviously racist but he can scrub his own balls you know when when you hear him in the movie um it's uh to me this come this came across as uh very like it could have been a twilight zone episode uh and it's 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 these movies um appeal to me because i like i like the self-contained movies which is why you know i dig movies like you know cube and uh uh -hmm. evil evil you know evil dead the you know the original one and um yeah just uh the 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 paranoia and the the arguments you know uh, they get worse further on because they think that, you know, they, sh- they should be doing what the television says they need to, you know, they can't eat any of the food of, in the house because it might be contaminated because they're just going by what this television says because they cannot physically leave their home. It's with, you know, it's, it's surrounded by this metallic yet, uh, it's, it's, it's metallic yet it's kind of animated and it looks like uh black rope licorice. That's like, you know, that's all, that's the best way I can describe it, you know, with the, with the twines and stuff. Um, obviously they begin to hurt each other. You know, uh, the guy tries to get the, one of the, the Scott, I believe the, the muscle head boyfriend of this, of the sister tries to get out. I mean, it literally chews off his fingers. 
Oof. So they they cannot get they cannot get out of this house, and uh, they're they're already dysfunctional, and they do not get along. So I mean, the the tensions there before you know they're even you know anything bad starts to happen. Uh, for instance, uh, Nick brings home a I believe she's is she Pakistani, the the girlfriend. I'm assuming that's that's her nationality. Yeah. Um. Which uh, you know immediately the granddad does not like. Racist um, fuck. Yeah, he's a fucking prick in this movie. Um, Although as soon but, as I saw David Bradley in the movie, I was like, "Hell right, this is gonna be good. That dude's awesome." Yeah. as an actor. Fuck this yeah, as an actor, yeah. Uh, the character's a, a dill hole. Um, but yeah, it's it's it comes across very uh, Twilight Zoney to me. Um, Obviously, this there's a lot there's a lot of death, um, you know, and arguments lead to you know the the sister Kate, you know, having a miscarriage, but the baby is still alive. I mean, it's just it, it gets full tilt crazy. Um, I got a lot of uh, when when the father you know dies, and the house the the, the the whatever surrounding and the structure of the house gets in there. I got a lot. Of, you know, I'm instantly reminded of. Uh, Dr. Chalice in uh, Hellraiser 2 because it's, you know, it's on the back of his head and it's, you know, going through his mouth mm-hmm. and kind of animating him to walk around. But, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I had never heard of this until, uh, you know, we were supposed to watch it for the show, but I'm very, very glad we did because I really, really enjoyed this movie. I will shut up now and hand it over to you guys. Mike, you... Uh... You really outdid yourself on this episode. Three oh, bangers, man. Thank you. Uh, and yeah. might might have redeemed uh, the you know reputation of the show in my wife's eyes because I convinced her to watch this one with me. She uh, watched one. Yeah, she was like, you know, I'm All like, right. I'm watching a movie, and she's like, it's a podcast movie. I'm like, yeah, but you know, it's a newer one, and let's and watched it, and she enjoyed it too. So it was like, okay, like w- w- you're back on the good graces uh, <laughs> for now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, she's she's seen. Give him time. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> she's seen uh, Hasu before. She was there and, and enjoys that one. Love that one. So you know, it's like, I think she would enjoy House too. But this was a good one to watch, and I fucking love this too. I love how weirdly relevant it is now with the whole, like every, you know, sort of Mm -hmm. the TV telling people you need to take this shot and they're all sort of like, you know, the the house is divided. I mean, how did they know that, that this came out in what? 2019, 18, holy shit. Right before. Yeah. (laughs) And look at how things are now. But, um, yeah, foreshadowed. Yeah, exactly. And, and like Andy said, very, um, it added a level of, Fuck this to it. Right. I mean, sure. as it's very Twilight Zone, Black Mirror, uh, yep, yep. you know, turning, uh, uh, basically this house is turning all the people against each other and they're not realizing that they're sort of being bamboozled. And then, yeah, when it turns, I love the ending, not something I saw coming because it was like, nobody could have seen this that. is sort of based in reality. And then we have this big fucking, what, what's the, I'm trying to remember the movie we watched where there's like, Tetsuo. it's like on a, Maybe a little bit of that, but also on the boat where that big, uh, I think it might have been on our like ocean episode where the big like robot person turns like sort of a big robot monster. I don't know. Oh, it's not triangle. Um, no, it was might have been on that same episode, but anyways, uh, mm. just a really cool like it completely 
went gonzo at the end and I'm okay with that. <laughs> like it went from a believable sort of social yeah. commentary right into sci-fi horror and I'm I I loved it all around. Very bleak. Yeah. Cool as shit. I'm surprised no one I I'd never heard of this. Don't really hear people talking about it. And right. You, you get, and it's a it's a Christmas movie. So yeah. Oh, you, I, yeah I love <laughs> Christmas oh, horror, so. Oh god, I forgot. Yeah, I did completely <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah. Yep, first time for me. Uh, definitely loved it. Um, started out great. Really was just loving it with Nick and Angie. Uh, all in with them, too. They were great. Fuck the family. Fuck mm-hmm. them hard. And then the movie really starts going to shit, you know, and, and I, you just, I thought maybe the dad would have a moment, but nope. He just, no, he, he, he leaned into his shittiness. That his dad made him into, and it just cut out his fucking eyeball. Jesus, so worse and worse and worse, and I just, which really made me hate this movie. So I didn't like it through, and but then, what? I know spoilers, but when when the main two get it at the end, I was like, fuck, I'm out on this movie. I hate this, hate you movie. I was in, I was following you, I was great, and then it's like, what? What is this? What? People are being animated by wires and carried around the house. This is an alien species inside a TV. What? Like, and so then I was like, all right, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so I, I was definitely back in by the end, but a roller coaster. I, I liked it. It's great. Definitely would recommend it, but gosh dang, it was, and it was hard. I noticed the, you know, when you, you cared, you know, a lot more when like, the, some of the characters were, you know, were dying. I was like, I didn't give a shit about Kate because she was a bitch no. the whole fucking movie. But when the mom, when the mom oh, ran, I was like, oh, God. Poof. No. Yeah. Splat. And they, they made that, they made that a very uh Yeah, Kate dies off screen. Her the mom, yeah. she gets popped. The yeah, movie I was thinking of is Virus with Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, um, okay, yeah. yeah. It's very, it made me think of those monsters. But anyways. The one, the one movie that Jamie Lee hates the most. <laughs> I don't mind virus. Um, cool cool oh, designs yeah. on the monsters. Yeah, that's for me almost worth the price of admission. Uh, yeah, I love this movie too. Uh, that's All why right. I picked it for the movie. Been waiting forever to find a uh, an episode to stick this movie in to have you guys watch it because I know I brought it up on the show before. I can't remember if this was a random watch uh, a couple years ago that I talked about on what we watched or if this was actually from my 2018 end of the year picks. What? I don't know. Probably not. But like if it wasn't and I watched it later, it would definitely probably be uh, in the top, top five of my favorites from 2018. Cause I Whoa. really, really love this movie and been um, championing it for quite some time and was happy to finally find an excuse to have you guys watch it. And I'm even equally happy that you guys liked it. And I figured you would, too. Like, I just, the first time I watched it, I was like, this is going to be right up everybody's alley. It's got, it's got elements to it that I think appeals to everybody on this show. Um, I'm with Andy. For me, it, uh, the, uh, one of the big appeals is that it's such an isolated story, um, just a, uh, a family trapped in a house. And I love how they are literally trapped. There's no way of escaping. They've covered every inch of this house. Trying only makes it worse. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, definitely. Yeah, and when it gets really crazy there towards the end, it's like 
just awesome. Um, anyway, and I, and I just love how like, we don't really have the answer no. to what ha- happened to we, or you know, why. I was glad happening. for that last shot, though. I appreciate them putting that in there of the neighborhood. Yeah. So there's yeah. something, you know, like it's it's on a bigger it level. Wasn't all the answers, yeah, larger but it was scale, something. And I feel like things started earlier than than that night or that morning or whatever, because uh. it feels like there was there was moments on the television when um, bad things were happening um, in the news that I felt like was highlighted more than more than just you know. That it had a had a more meaning to the central plot, like whatever mm. invasion is going on started with you know people going crazy in the streets or whatever. I don't know. I mean, probably reading way too much into that, and it was more um, metaphorical with the themes than actual part of the plot or anything. But I have some sad news. I just. Uh, looked up and yeah, yeah, I know the, where you're the, going. The director Johnny Kevorkian, he died two years ago at 48 from a heart attack. Yeah, oh. I I knew that too because when I first watched yeah. this movie and I loved like, it so much, I what researched else? exactly, and then I saw that I'm like, oh, he oh, died. So, well, that makes me think that's probably when I watched it was maybe 2000 in the year 20. 2020, he died. um, and not 2018. But anyway, uh. Yeah, and so when you guys were talking, I did the same thing. I looked it back up again because I'm like, oh, would that be even more disturbing to, if he would have died of corona with all of, you know, that Tad's take yeah. away with the the metaphors of, like, uh, comparing it to what we've gone through the past couple of years, which is, which is very creepy in itself that this movie – comes out right before all that happens and it's so relevant what we've experienced the past couple of years yeah yeah cool yes and that's uh, did somebody say already that's on netflix it's not on netflix oh what's it on shutter say that it's on shutter it's on shutter okay also to be in pluto but yeah shutter shutters without commercials on shutter that's right exactly all right, cool. Well, that is it for the films that we're going to talk about this episode. Were you mad there wasn't a third movie called House? I know. Uh, where you I were, know. right? You were. I almost thought about just doing House 2, you know. Just a uh, <laughs> second story. <laughs> exactly. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to find house sequels. I'm going to find a topic where all the movies have the exact same title. You about did it. Okay, uh, before we pack up our stuff and move, uh, we are still we still have more show to come. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it's going to be the segment's time here on the show. During the break, however, you're going to hear a promo for our podcast network called The Prescribed Films Podcast Network. The PFPN is now home to 31 shows. Oh, my goodness. Including the Bad Movie Bunny Podcast. Oh, yeah. Every episode of the Bad Movie Bunny podcast reviews horror and thriller movies, uh, but is the scream you hear your own? Check out, check out the Bad Movie Bunny podcast and all the shows at thepfpn.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, 
home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. And we are back. Did you miss us? It is the segments portion of the show, and we're going to start off, as we always do, listening to what you guys have to say, the listeners. So here's Jason with shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! 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 All right, shout-outs. We asked what your favorite killer house horror movies and these are your answers. And speaking of Bad Movie Bunny podcast, here's Lisa with the first shout out. She says, House. The 1977 Toho House or Houseu, that is. Can anyone top a flying severed head and being eaten by a piano? No. Answer? No. Can't. Nope. Can't nope. top it. Not going to happen. And then uh, Mike Franklin, he says, I always had a fun time watching House 2, the second story. Yes. The first one was amazing, too, but the comedy in the sequel just really tickles me. What's crazy is, so House 1 has George Winton at North from Cheers. I knew it. <laughs> Here we go. And the second one doesn't. That was it? Yeah. Well, this, well the second one actually has George Ratzenberger from Cheers. Oh, he was from Cheers 2? Okay, all right. Yeah, so it has another No, Cheers, cheers not Cheers 2. Come on, Mike. <laughs> Moving on. Over on the Facebook group, we got Jacob McLaughlin. He says, that's attacker Jacob, that is. Uh, House Sue is one of my all-time favorites. It's a beautiful celebration of chaos. I also love the original 1963 version of The Haunting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, we didn't have anything on Twitter or Instagram, but, oh, the phone's ringing. Listen up. Uh-oh. Hey, everybody. It's Hank O'Brien here for my bi-lately phone call. Like this week, we're talking about killer house movies. And if any of you are a homeowner, you know, being a homeowner of a house can be killer with all the projects. Um, sounds like killer house movies. I was thinking house, the whole house series, but the fondest memory I have is watching the Japanese house movies at Tad's birthday party a couple of years ago. Um, the first part of the movie is like a K-pop episode of whatever show that the K-pop stars are in. And the rest of it is just like a crazy evil dead kind of cat. Who the hell knows what's going on kind of thing. Hope you guys have a good week. Bye. Oh, yeah. Tad's legendary birthday parties. <laughs> But uh, that's uh, all we got today. Remember, you can also give us a call and leave your voicemail. Get on the show. You can call us at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave that voicemail. We'll play it on the show. And that's shout-outs. But we are not done yet. Oh, no. What's what's he going to have in store for us today? I heard that the, the one series might be done. I don't know. We're going to find out. Well, it's time for Saints Picks. 
That's right. Yes, the uh, Insane Picks Hall of Fame is going to be coming to an end, but oh, there's shoot. definitely a few inductees that I feel like I would lose my cred if I didn't induct. So these next several Insane Picks Hall of Fames, it's still going to be going on for a while because these are the these are the grandmaster, the granddaddies of Insane oh. Picks Hall of Famers. Um, the ones that are so epic that they require multiple episodes of Insane's Picks. Starting here with, I would say, probably one of the greats of Insane's Picks, a filmmaker that has made such an impact on the world of B-grade horror and exploitation films that I just I can't cover him in just one episode of Insane's Picks. So for this Insane's Picks Hall of Fame, we will induct the godfather of gore himself, one of my favorite filmmakers of all time, Herschel Gordon, Herschel Gordon Lewis, part one. Herschel Gordon Lewis was born in 1926 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, of all places. Love Pittsburgh. His father died when he was six years old and his mother never remarried. Lewis's family then moved to Chicago, Illinois, where he spent the majority of his adolescence. After graduating from high school, Lewis received a bachelor's and master's degree in journalism at Northwestern University near Evanston, Illinois. A few years later, he briefly taught communications at Mississippi State University. Uh, he was lured from his academic career to become the manager of WRAC Radio in Wisconsin and later became a studio director at WKY-TV studio in Oklahoma City. In 1953, Lewis began working for an advertising agency in Chicago while teaching graduate advertising courses at night at Roosevelt University. During this time, he began directing TV commercial advertisements for a small production company called Alexander & Associates, which Lewis would later buy out half of the company with business associate Martin and renamed it Lewis and Martin Films. Lewis directed a short promotional film entitled Carving Magic in 1959. The show starred William... Um, Kevrin and Harvey Corman, who would go on to star in other Lewis projects. In 1959, Herschel first met David F. Freeman when David was working in Chicago pitching for producers for his first low-budget film, The Prime Time, in 1960. Lewis and Freeman quickly formed a partnership uh, with Freeman in charge of obtaining production financing and Herschel Gordon Lewis directing the films. To them, it was a business, and they knew they couldn't compete with Hollywood budgets, so they set out to make films that would bring in, a, bring in quick cash with topics that Hollywood would not touch. So they started out making what was known as Nudie Cuties, very low-budget, cruelly-made films featuring female nudity. Uh, the Prime Time <coughs> is a film about a bored young girl looking for excitement, getting involved with nude modeling, drugs, and rock and roll. Interesting fact about the, the Prime Time, it was the first feature film produced in Chicago since the late 1910s. Herschel Gordon Lewis was, was only producer on the Prime Time, but he would assume directing duties on nearly all of the films from then on. His first movie he directed um, with his longtime collaborator, David Freeman, was Living Venus in 1961. 
Living Venus is loosely based on uh, Hugh Hefner. Uh, it's about two friends who start up a men's magazine called Pagan. Uh, most notably, most notable thing about Living Venus is that it is the feature film debut of Harvey Corman, who would later go on to be in several Mel Brooks movies and would also be one of the stars of The Carol Burnett Show. And also, most famously, uh, starring in a Star Wars Holiday Special. David and Herschel Gordon-Lewis continued to make nudie cuties throughout the early 1960s. These films marked the beginning of a deliberate approach to filmmaking that each respective party would continue through their production careers. Typically, these nudie cuties were uh, kind of screwball comedies, such, such films such as Boing uh, in 1963, <laughs> and it's spelled B-O-I-N-N-G apostrophe. And in 1961, The Adventures of Lucky Pierre. Now, The Adventures of Lucky Pierre is a film made for a budget of only $7,500, which would become the duo's first great financial success as it made three times its budget upon its first release. Uh, because film restrictions had not yet allowed for sexual depictions in film, Lewis and Freeman's uh, would figure out any way possible to make movies with nudity on a next-to-nothing budget. This led to them in, uh, to invest in nudist camp in the nudist camp subgenre, uh, which is a sub-subgenre of the nudie cuties, uh, with films like Daughter of the Sun in 1962, Nature's Playmate in 1963, Belle the Bear and the Beautiful in 1963, and my favorite. Goldilocks and the Three Bears, B-A-R-E-S, in 1963, which was billed as the first nudist musical. And as far as I know, the only one. Uh, with the nudie market beginning to wane, Lewis and Freeman racked their brains trying to come up with the next big thing to exploit and entered into uncharted territory with 1963's gore classic, Blood Feast. And that is where we will pick up next time for part two as we induct Herschel Goren Lewis into Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. Yeah. I, do I save the applause till the end one? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Yay. It's fun. about time you get the old Hersh in here. <laughs> I know. It's Jeez. it's like I said. It's probably I think, why you started the Hall of Fame and then. Kind of. <laughs> you know, there's those like the, I don't know. I'm just random the number icons. here. Top 10 icons for me. Yeah. And. Never covered them because I just felt like they were too obvious. But now I'm coming to the end of this. I'm like, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to talk about them. Yeah. So we'll see how long this is going to last because I'm excited about moving on to the next chapter of Insane's Picks. Cool. Um, but yeah. That is it, though, folks. That's it for this episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. Uh, what's nice about this particular episode is I feel like it has a lot of replay value. Um, you can actually play a drinking game with this one. Anytime anybody says house, take a drink. Because I think the word house is probably said more than the word attacker for the first time in any episode. Um, and with that said, I want to thank the attackers for being supporters of the show. Tell your friends. They can go to jointheattackers.com and also help support the show. Because it just really helps the show grow and become bigger and better. And we thank you and we love you for it. And we love all of you for just listening to the show. It's awesome. Um, leave reviews and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. 
but uh, thanks for listening. And uh, get out of our house already. <laughs> want to go to bed. Bye Talk bye. to you in the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast.